Hi, and welcome to the Get Known Podcast and our interview with Lisa Morgan, content strategist and journalist for Information Week and other publications. For those of you new to the Get Known Podcast, we interview journalists about their work and what they cover so that companies can know better how to engage with the press and to get their company covered in the media. Our big goal is to make sure the companies that are out there reaching out to the press build the right relationships, pitch the right ideas, and understand better what wastes journalists' time and what wastes their time. If you're into nerdy subjects and how to make great tech stories come to life, Lisa Morgan has covered it all. When I had the chance to sit down with her, she shared key points about her process for finding good stories in tech and how she follows her interests to drive her writing. One of the things I was super interested in this conversation was how journalists pitch to an editor and the process that a journalist is using when they discuss new ideas with their editor. I found it super interesting to understand better the pressures of both the editor and the journalist and how these stories all come together. I've spoken to some journalists who say that bringing out the humanity in a text story is difficult, but Lisa says it's fairly easy. And so she gives a little bit of advice also for when you're pitching your stories and how to engage with the media a little bit better. So enjoy the interview with Lisa Morgan. Hi, and welcome again to the Get Known Podcast. I'm Steve Lee, and today I'm here with Lisa Morgan, from uh, who's a content strategist. I guess that would be also a journalist. Uh, one of the places she works for is Information Week. Um, but I'm going to let her, she, since she has this checkered past and she, she has so many things that she, uh, she does, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell a little bit about all the things that she does. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Happy to be here, Stephen. So, yes, I do do several things. I write for several various publications and sites. They're all about business and technology. I also work with corporate clients, and I have agency clients as well. And for them, I, uh, for the agency clients, I help them with strategy and, uh, and writing and that sort of thing, positioning. And with corporate clients, I do kind of the same thing. But um, I'm, I tend to be working with a lot more groups inside, of course, the product groups and the engineers groups and it's a lot of fun you know i've been reading some of your stuff and it's pretty nerdy i love being nerdy <laughs> and 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 this is exactly what a lot of the people that we speak to on the podcast want to hear about because you know it's kind of hard to talk about nerdy stuff um information week's one of the places that you have are there other publications that you work for as a journalist too Yes, absolutely, yes. I write for several of the Tech Target sites uh, and also SD Times as well. Mm -hmm. What is the hardest part about writing tech for, for these publications? Is there, is there something that is, um, is particularly difficult about it? Well, I, ha I have to tell you that since we're going to be talking about PR, I can tell you that it's the very rare case that I actually take a pitch and turn it into a story. I tend to do my own ideation. And in fact, actually, I pitch my ideas 
to some publications, for some, they assign stuff. And sometimes it's a mix. I'll say, hey, pitch stuff, and then, you know, we'll do our SEO stuff and see what we need. Um, so it's kind of a range of stuff. But uh, really, a lot of times, don't tell anybody this, is, uh, is I write about things that I want to know more about. Well, tell me more about what you want to know about. What are you interested in as a, as a journalist? Well, I'm always interested in emerging technology, and I've been talking for a, a long time about the intersection of business and technology and how they influence each other and whatnot. But with digital transformation, really, they're inextricable now. So for me, I, I find that a lot of fun. But as we know, I mean, tech is anything but uh, static. And so it's changing all the time and, and cycles are accelerating all of this and we're trying to manage it all. And so I find it all very invigorating, but I'm always interested to know a couple of things. You know, one of them is like what's coming down the pike and, you know, how are people feeling about it? But it's also like when people get their hands on the stuff, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's AI or you know, anything else. It's just, um, you know, how are they, what are they, what value are they getting out of it? I mean, what do they think they're going to get out of it and what did they really do? I'm also really interested to see two companies that make giant leaps. Sometimes some companies are so far behind and then they'll make a giant leap, say to the cloud or something that it's, it's really fun to talk about those stories. But again, it's like, it's kind of like they'll say, okay, you know, send us some more ideas. And it's like, I'll sit down and kind of know a few ideas and send off an email and away we go. Now, I also took a statistics class recently that went way beyond anything I learned as an undergraduate and I loved it. And so. You love statistics? So I pitched a story about Bayesian networks. It's like, yeah, I want to know more about that. And guess what? I can talk to all these smart data scientists, you know. And so anyway, so uh, yeah, so I did that. So, so And, you know, sometimes I get into math subjects from a tech perspective of, you know, what sort of math is involved in AI and that sort of stuff. So it, that's just kind of like nerding out. But it's just because I think it's fun. My editors think I'm crazy. So. Do you have a tech background, actually? No. Actually, I have no, actually, I have a bachelor's in management and a JD, which is a law degree. Um, but I've been working in high tech really about my whole career. The rest of it almost doesn't count. It was commercial real estate and development uh, before. But, uh, but tech, yeah, I mean, I've been in tech for a long time and I've seen these just incredible things that have happened. And I think what's fun for me is that I'm able to connect dots between different kinds of technologies that really it's like some of the stuff you just need experience with. It's not something you can read an article about and become an expert in. And I would not claim to be an expert in just about anything because I cover so many topics. I certainly know how to ask questions and I know how to research stuff, but you know, to know the actual state of something like up to the minute, it's like, you have to have your hands in it. And even then, when somebody asks you about a different subject, you know, you're kind of like, I don't know, you know. So I'm, I'm kind of more of a generalist, but that's what makes it so much fun. That's why I like it so much. It sounds like a blast. I mean, you sounds like you really love everything that you're doing. And I think that's great. Can you tell us about a recent story that you had um, that was really um, fun for you to report on? And then secondly, what is like maybe the up and coming trend that you think is coming uh, within tech? You know, what's, what's, your, what's exciting you right now? 
that's a hard one in terms of, you know, what's a fun story that you've worked on, just because I consider all of them fun. And I guess some of them are more or less fun, but I guess one thing that was kind of fun, and again, you know, you're going to think I'm nuts, but uh, I set out, I pitched a story to Information Week, and I'm talking about something called XOps which really we have DevOps and software development and they ML ops and data ops and AI ops and biz ops and, you know, marketing ops and all these things. And I was talking to an analyst over at Forrester a while back and I said, Hey, you know, what about all of these types of ops? I mean, what does the landscape look to you? And he said, you know, we're, you know, we're thinking about that right now. We're talking about it. And so uh, let us sit for a few months and the, the idea popped back in mind. I thought, yeah, I want to pursue this. So I pitched an idea on it. So, what happens is I go out and I talk to these people about XOPS and some of them are really serious about how they how they approach this and you know they've got everything mapped out or they're you know they're focused on one aspect or whatever. And these are, you know, like Booz Allen Hamilton and you know, these are really great guys who I'm talking to. Then I get on then I get on with I'll just say one person at this point and complete naysayer. So and I was I mean total naysayer from the person that I expected it from least. And so I've ended the story with that and I've, you know, I've set it up with, you're going to see both things, but it was just really fun to like have the rug pulled out from under me under the idea at the last minute and then kind of rework things. So they work and I explained to my editor what happened and she got a big kick out of it. So, I mean, so that's fun too. It's like the unexpected can be fun, but as far as like topics go, they're all fun. I happen to AI is fun, I guess, just, but, that's just because, and I'm always putting the screws to people that here we go with the math. So, cause that's what it is. <laughs> but anyway, one of the things that during this year in a lot of the other kinds of reporting is that, um, the relevancy of everything has come through COVID. Like everything has been centered around COVID this and COVID that. And, and we're looking hopefully in 2021, for opportunities to not talk about just COVID all the time. Do you think that the tech reporting that you've been doing has been affected by COVID very much? Um, or, or, or is it, or is it something, has it breezed by and, and people are still talking about just um, the regular stuff and what's going to change? Like, will it, or if, if it has been affecting it, will it change in the future? So, um, the answer is yes. 2020 was a really interesting year, and it was also a really interesting year in terms of the stories that I was writing because clearly, I mean, COVID disrupted businesses around the globe and systematic, you know, systematically, supply chains, all of this stuff. We had stuff going off the rails we hadn't even thought of, right? And all of a sudden, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but most companies were on their way to some sort of digital transformation because let's face it, you know, we're a digital society now. Um, but what happened was those plans got accelerated. In fact, they had to just implement and then worry about things like cybersecurity later, sadly. But it was really interesting to see. It's like, how did people deal with this great change that happened so suddenly? Like it disrupted predictive AI models, for example. Um, and so it was a very interesting year. And so what happened was... There was more movement to cloud and more digitalization, and that's going to stay. And so whatever digital transformation plans they had and whatever happened in 2020, what they need to do is 
take a look at both of those things and with an eye forward and what does that mean to our business going forward. The truth of the matter is, is that organizations have to be more agile than they've ever been before. And the only way to do that is to get your processes right and your tech right. And the tech supports the processes. You don't start with tech. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to see a lot more automation. You're going to see a lot more chatbots. I mean, you're going to see humans kind of like flowing into the background. We're seeing it with the deliveries, you know, instead of going into a restaurant, you're getting it delivered. You're getting your groceries delivered, all this stuff. So, you know, yes, it's going to continue. We're going to see more and more and more innovation. We're going to see automation. We'll see some big stories about things that went wrong along the way. But, um, but the good news is, is I think we've all learned some stuff in 2020, and we're going to have to carry that forward because we're still in the middle of COVID. What drives me crazy is when everybody starts talking about the cope post-COVID as if it's now, and it isn't. You know, So what happens, say, if our illustrious governor shuts our state down? Well, of course, lots of businesses are going to be impacted. So we need to be ready. We need to pivot. And the other interesting thing was instead of looking at having a plan A and a plan B, companies need to be doing scenario planning, which also involves tech. But you need to like plan for an array of probable things that might happen so that you're ready just in case. Has strategy kind of gone out the window? I mean, we used to do these plans of like, well, we used to, I'm just thinking we used to do these plans of strategy doing it um, you know, like five years in advance. This is what we're going to do. This is our five-year strategy, our five-year plan of whatever. I mean, it seems like everything has changed to be quite dynamic now. Is is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Because, okay, so when we have those five-year plans, what do we do? We, as organizational management or, you know, the department head or whatever, we sit down, you know, with key players and we take a look at the, the five-year plan that we put together last year, and then we decide what we're doing this year, and you know we're moving really slowly. Maybe we're reviewing it on a quarterly basis, particularly for public. Um, but uh, but nowadays, I mean, you you have to have a north star. So like just to have be agile and have sort of chaos does not work. You have to have an idea of where do you want to go. But a lot of stuff can change. The direction of where you go may change. The direction of how you get there may change. I mean, because if COVID messes stuff up for you. You're going to have to change the way you get there. So you just, you have to be a lot more agile. And what's happening is people are adopting really that agile mentality, which is breaking these giant things down instead of having five-year plans, maybe an annual plan, right, into smaller pieces and, you know, being able to pivot. You know, you've got to, you, you have to adopt the mindset, you have to have the technology, you've got to have the processes. But when the situation changes, you better be ready to change with it. Because if you don't, you're going to fall behind. In 2021, um, you know, we've made such advances, for example, in uh, things like different AI technologies. People are talking about general AI People are talking about all kinds of different um, ways of using machine learning. People are getting more comfortable with it. Uh, is that going to also change the way that you do journalism and reporting? Do you think that, do you see it actually affecting the technology, actually affecting your work itself? Sure, I do. 
<laughs> sure I do. Actually, I use AI in what I do. Really? How? Yeah. Tell me. Well, okay, so journalists have taken notes and recorded stuff, you know, for years, you know, so you can play it back, listen to it, look at your notes, all of this stuff. But, you know, if you're taking notes, you're not catch, capturing everything. And if you're, you know, if you got an audio recording, that's great. If you got a transcript, that's great. But creating a transcript is really a pain. So, um, so anyway, nowadays, I use an AI service to transcribe my calls. <laughs> so I can go back to them and just make sure that I've got the details correct. And not only that, in the very rare occasion that somebody says, now, I didn't say that. I say, would you like the audio file or would you like the transcript or would you like both? But that's really, it's, it's an exception. It's usually, it's usually not a big deal. Well, I can see how that would be incredibly helpful. It incredibly is. Helpful. Well, it is because, I mean, I upload the file. Let's say I talk to you for an hour. I upload the file. About the same amount of time later, I get it back. It's all done. I don't have to do anything. I've been other th- you know, doing other things. It makes mistakes, but I can translate them in my head. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. Um, you know, uh, you said that you did this pitching to editors for stuff. Can you tell a little bit about how your process works, um, a little bit more about maybe in detail so that people can understand what you have to go through in order to do a story? And that way, um, you know, they can work into that process if I know you don't take that many pitches, but if you do take uh, take information from people or stories from people, how can how can how can companies better help you um in how you communicate with them. Okay. Well, let me, okay. So let me answer this from sitting in both chairs, right? I'll compare the two because I, and I still do, I write pitches for agencies sometimes too. Okay. So the difference is, is that uh, when I'm working at a PR agency or if I'm in a PR role at a company, first, the first thing I've got to do is get the journalist's attention. How do I do that? Okay, well, I need a catchy headline. But, well, on this, you know, the other hand, it's like, well, how long should it be? People do it too long. I know what I'll do. I'll put it all in caps. Very bad idea. Sounds like you're screaming, you know. Um, and, and some stuff is just don't, downright silly. Interview opportunity. Interview, are you kidding? I have zillions of people who want to talk to me every day. I don't need an interview opportunity there, you know. Anyway, it's just kind of funny. But anyway, so we... I don't have to get my editor's attention because I already have it. So I, so I actually have the easy pitch now because once you've got the editor's attention, that's one thing. But then the, the question is, can you keep it? Okay. So with me, the difference is, is that if I'm pitching from an agency side or an in-house side, now I have to explain, now that I got your attention, I have to explain what it's about. And I am focusing on a particular thing. Unless I'm saying, oh, hey, in case you have anything you want, I can include us in. Believe me, when you talk to thousands of people every year, you're not going to believe, you know, you're not going to remember any of that. But from a journalism perspective, I provide like a plate of cookies, several different ideas. I'm not tied to any of them. Pick whichever cookies you like. 
And that's what we're going to do. And that's how it goes. It's, I mean, it's a really easy process and they love it. And sometimes they'll come back and they'll say, Hey, you know, they'll look at SE and say, Hey, can we do that? This instead. And I may say, yeah, we can, or that really wouldn't make a good story. It would make good SEO, but not really a good story. So let's do something else. So, and we'll talk through it and, you know, we'll end up at a place that we're both happy. I'm happy about the story. They are too. What do you think the biggest problem for the editor, for your editors is? Like, I mean, what, to give people sort of the inside scoop, what are they worried about? Topic wise or pitch wise? Like when, when you pitch, when you pitch to, when you pitch to an editor, yeah, are they worried about, for example, you said something about SEO or you said, some, are, what's their business? What's, what's the problem of the, of the editor themselves? Like why, why do they choose or not choose a particular story? Some of it really, uh, because all my editors are different. Some of it gets down to, do they understand the topic? Are they comfortable with the topic or not? Do they understand it? Um, are they more tech oriented or more business oriented? You know, um, may, you know, there's some topics that like might be an emerging talk. Uh, I've tried pitching stories about like 5G to information week. I still haven't succeeded. And yet it's one of the emerging technologies. So, I mean, I can't answer what happened with that. Um, but, you know, what, what matters to them, actually, it, you know, a lot of it comes down to revenue, too. Now, number one, are you meeting the needs of, of your audience, right, that's reading this stuff? But there's also the force of the advertisers increasingly, too. It's like, you know, in order to get advertising for DevOps, you're going to have to write DevOps stories. So that's, that's part of it. When, you know, this brings up an interesting thing. Um, one of the things that we talk to people a lot about is trying to bring humanity into their story, especially when it comes to tech. Is that a hard thing to do for like when you talk to a lot of these um, places that, for, for example, are providing a new technology? I found it really hard to get human humanity out of the people. They want to talk about the bits and bytes and and, and all the other sorts of stuff. And I'm just like, how does it affect people? I don't know. Is, is that, is that tough for you too? No. Okay. Tell me why. It's all about the questions you ask. Okay. It's all about kind of how you set it up, set their expectations and the questions you ask. The other thing too is, is that I'm really picky about who I talk to at a company. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that I don't like people who are heads of marketing or heads of sales or heads of product, but when you're, when your audience is the heads of IT, they want to hear from other people that are, you know, from IT that understand the bits and bytes. And why, while we're not always getting down into the bits and bytes, sometimes, you know, we do, you know, but uh, it's just, it's, it's the audience that drives it, really. And that's a mistake I think people make because the other guys are good at talking at the top level, but when they get into the technical details, it, a lot of them can talk to it and actually very well. It's just that they don't have the credibility with the audience. Is, is information week more of a nerdy thing or more of a business thing? No, it's, it's more of a nerdy thing. I mean, it's really directors, heads of IT, but it's also increasingly, like I said, you know, with digital transformation, that inextricable link, right, between uh, business and technology. So we've also got business people, too, looking at it 
wanting to know what should they be, what should they know about? Because, you know, when IT and the business talk to each other, they need to be able to talk intelligently. That's an entirely different conversation. But, uh, you know, it behooves you to know what 5G is, right? It's just a G stands for generation. And as stupid as that is, it's just, it helps. <laughs> I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, it's really important for people to to know what they're talking about. I work with a lot of like tech folks, though, and I think the hardest part is that they sometimes don't really um, know how to talk anything but tech. Like you'll ask them, okay, tell me a little bit about why you started this whole thing, right? And they'll get in, they'll immediately get into the bits and bytes. So I'm always wondering, is there a tech, is there, are there ways to make a tech person talk about things outside of their own technology or even product people who seem to always talk about the product but don't talk about the impact of that product. I mean, do you ever get that? Sometimes, yeah. Um, and again, it kind of gets back to the conversation again. Because if you, you know, if the guy's talking bits and bytes, and that's not what the story is about. I mean, like for example, I write issues and trends, right? Mm -hmm. So unless the issue and trend has to do with the speed at a bits and bytes level or, you know, the volume at a bits and bytes level, then we don't talk about it. But, but you know, but if they do, that's, that's fine with me. But then again, I've been at this for a while, so I'm, I'm happy to do it. I feel like my job is to peel the onion a bit, which I think a lot of people don't do that aren't technical. I think they, they, they feel like, like, especially with PR agencies, advertising agencies, you know, they feel like their job, their client's job is to understand their product and their technology, but it's not their job. And I think that's a huge mistake. I think you need to be able to at least answer the first level basic questions that so you don't need to be super technical to, to understand. One time I remember when I was working for a PR agency, uh, one of my semiconductor clients had this really cool, like, timing chip. It's like, but wait, timing chip, you know, why, do, why would I need one of those? Guy gets up with a whiteboard, you know, draws, you know out of the chips, you know, in these trace links, see the different trace links, different links. Okay, we synchronize the signals so they all arrive at the same time. Hey, I've got it. <laughs> there you go. Isn't it so funny, though, that it never comes out right at the very beginning. It always has to, you always have to have a chart. You know, there's yeah, always but I mean, drama. after that, you know, editors would ask me, well, you know, what does that mean? And I'm like, just down with them. I'm like, yeah, that's what this does. Well, so. it means that they can all be synced up. That's exactly what you want. Do you care where in the world the tech is coming from? Are you primarily covering U.S. tech or do you grab stuff from Europe and other places too? Uh, I talk to people from all over the world uh, about stuff, which is fascinating. I love that. Um, don't always like the hours so much, but I like talking to them. But uh, the publications that I write for are mainly, yeah, they're mainly for the U.S. We do have international readers. It's just that the bulk of them are in the U.S. So we use Americanized English, for example. Mm -hmm. 
Do you think, though, that the world is becoming more just global on tech or because, I mean, it's kind of like you can do anything from anywhere these days, especially after the pandemic. That still wasn't true. I, I cannot believe how many companies I've run into that, you know, want to offer this mobile technology, you know, or this video conferencing technology and it's, you know, remote work stuff. And it's like, great. So out of curiosity, uh, do your employees work remotely prior to 2020? Well, no, of course we need to come into the office. So it's like, okay, but now, <laughs> you know, now that we have to stay home, it's like people got it. And it's like, Hey, you know, all of a sudden there's all these wake-up calls. Why do we need these offices? You know, why should I have to go into the office? Although I've heard some really funny things from parents of young children, which is like, it's wonderful and horrible all at the same time. (laughs) I guess it's good that you got out of commercial real estate. (laughs) I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Can you give some specific advice? for tech companies to get your attention and to uh, want you to write about them or to for tech writers to write about them? What are the mistakes that you think people make as a tech company when they approach you? They don't understand what I cover, for one thing. They don't understand what topics I cover. And they also don't realize that I don't do company profiles or product profiles unless they're sponsored. Generally, that's not for information week, but that's true with, you know, some of the other people I write for. Um, Also, I don't cover news. So it's like you can send me press releases all day long, but I have to tell you that in in my email, I've actually moved the ones that are constantly pitching me badly. They're my promotions folder. I don't even see them anymore. So it's like there are a lot of people that just they they don't have my attention. And some of them, it's like after a while, I'll go back to them and I'll say, look, okay, you need to get this straight, okay? Because if you don't, I'm going to move you into this other file and then proceed again, you know? And sure enough, they don't. In one case, actually, the situation was so bad that I actually went to the president of the PR agency, which is a national PR agency, and said, look, I can't believe this. You know, I told them what my background was, and I'm like, stuff like this should not be coming out of your agency, because you're one of the better ones. This is just not up to your standards, so you should not allow this to go on, because it's just, it's bad practice. And you're, and you're charging your clients for it. They're paying for no results. They shouldn't have to. So, but uh, yeah, you know, it's like, know what the person covers. Read a little bit about what they do. I think the trap that especially PR agencies fall into is they have these databases now, that have journalists kind of categorized badly, I might add, and people don't look at any beyond that, so that's why they're pitching you a lot of bad stuff, or they're generalizing, you know. Gee, you're a tech reporter, so obviously you're interested in, no, I'm not. I really don't care about some stuff. So, <laughs> um, but they're using the database as a substitute for thinking, and it's a really bad idea. So it's kind of like if you really, if you really want to develop uh, a relationship with a journalist, which that should be your goal, is to develop a, a relationship with a journalist. Figure out what they cover, figure out what they've been writing about, you know, and pitch them something that, you know, do your best. But, you know, try try a couple times, you know, try. And, you know, a lot of them won't respond to you. It's great if they do. 
Uh, but you got to learn from your mistakes because you're probably making mistakes and you don't know. And I mean, PR agencies generally do some really dumb stuff. Like for instance, help a reporter out is a, a website you can go and list yourself as a source. And people like me will, you know, put queries in that ex explains the story I'm writing about. And I will include explicit instructions about how you should respond. It's like, okay, really, if, you, if you're really serious, do this. Or don't do this. Don't pitch me your products. I'll say that too. And you'd be surprised. It's like if I say, just provide like a one-sentence description of how you feel about this subject or whatever it is I'm asking for. And they'll just send me like a bio or, you know, somebody's name and title. And I can't tell you. I mean, it took me in my early days, I used to like take a call with somebody that I didn't really know based on their resume. And then I talked to them about the story and they're like, I really don't know anything about that. And it was embarrassing for all of us. So it's kind of like, but if I'm telling you what you need to get through the door and you're ignoring it, I don't really owe you anything, but it really, I mean, especially having a background in PR, it just really, it really upsets me. Pan Communications asked me what my pet peeves were. They've got a blog on it. It's hilarious. But anyway, but I, it, it'll tell you, you know, a lot of the stuff have and best practices. Do this, don't do that. But it lays out all the mistakes people make. No, not all of them, but a lot of them, the main ones. That is, you know, I'm just going to take that clip and I'm going to take that rant and I'm going to say, yes, listen, everybody, this is what you need to hear because that's exactly perfectly what we try to tell people all the time uh, about that. And, and how, of course, we have to do our jobs also, because part of the problem is that there's a lot of expectation that you're going to just go off and do exactly the things that you're talking about. Actually, I found you on Help a Reporter Out because I pitched to you before on that. So that's, that's how we started communicating back and forth is because I was pitching to you through Help a Reporter Out. But I, I have to say that what you just said right there is really exactly what I want people to understand and know because that way we also can work with clients much better and say look they don't care about that kind of stuff we need to understand these kinds of stuff things these kinds of things and that's then much more helpful for us to be able to actually reach out in the right way and not waste your time yeah yeah, it makes, uh, I tell you, the right PR people are absolutely golden. Those people are so on top of things. It's like you ask them for something, they get it for you. I can't tell you how many times after an interview, I'll say to the PR person, could you please send me a headshot, a high-res headshot? I can ask two, three, four times, finally give up. I mean, really? <laughs> All right. I mean, that was so perfect that I want to end on that note. You know, if people want to get a hold of you or if there is something that they are interested in and understanding now what the right way of getting a hold of you is, is the best way to, to look for your stuff on Haro or are you on Twitter or Facebook or whatever other kinds of stuff that's out there? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Facebook is, I don't use that for business, but uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can send me email at lisa.l.morgan at gmail. Um, but everybody, everybody, you need to be careful what you do. 
you now know exactly how the pitching should go. Can you follow her advice? <laughs> Don't pitch me on LinkedIn. <laughs> no pitching on LinkedIn. <laughs> no pitching on LinkedIn. You've heard it here. Lisa, I really want to thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us today. Look for all of her stuff in Information Week and other places. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. The Get Known Podcast is produced by San Francisco Agency in beautiful but dark in the wintertime Helsinki, Finland. To hear more interviews with journalists and PR professionals, please subscribe to the Get Known Podcast feed. You can share your comments or questions directly to me by connecting with me on LinkedIn. That's right, Stephen Lee, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-E-E. I know there's a lot of them out there, but you'll find me. Or by sending an email to getknown at sanfrancisco.fi. Looking forward to hearing from you. See you next time.